0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. In 1985, Patty Pruitt was found guilty of murdering her husband, Bill. The mother of five lived in Holden, Missouri. She said an intruder came into their home, shot Bill, and then raped her. She turned down a plea deal that would let her get out of prison in just five years. She insisted she didn't do it. And instead, Patty Pruitt was sentenced to life in prison. No possibility of parole for 50 years. She's now served 33 years, and she continues to maintain her innocence. Now experts are raising serious doubts about her conviction. That story is the focus of a new documentary. It was made by St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist Aisha Sultan. Let's listen to Patty Pruitt's own words in the film as she dreams about walking out of prison and being reunited with her family again.
1: You can't live with a foot in the free world and a foot in prison. But at the same time, that little sunshine of hope kind of peeks in and I can't help it right before I go to bed when I'm saying my prayers, saying my prayers, and listing off family members. I can't help but just sneak a view of me walking out to them.
0: And that's from Aisha Sultan's new film, 33 and Counting. And joining us today to talk about it is Aisha Sultan. Aisha, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So Patty Pruitt was convicted long before DNA evidence was commonly used uh, in these cases. And so far, attempts to get DNA tested from this crime scene have all been denied. So give us, what is the nutshell version of the case against Patty?
2: The case against her is that the physical evidence that the state presented were boot footprints that led from the house. They had a 40 acres of property to a pond that was on the property, and they found a rifle, a weapon, you know, the family owned in that pond. And they say that those boots, those boots belonged to Patty. Um, that was one critical piece of evidence that the state put forward. Of course, it was a huge farm. Her kids used to wear those boots around the property to do chores and walk around, mm-hmm. and that's something that she had said. The other piece of evidence they put forward is testimony from previous lovers that she had had, who said that she had affairs with them prior in the marriage. And one even said that she had offered money for them to kill herself. Now, she denies that that was an offer that was made, but these were people whose credibility was also questioned um, by her lawyers. So that was the second piece of the state's argument, and then really the third biggest thing is that the police at the time didn't look for any evidence or search for an intruder at all. Mm-hmm. No, that's one thing that really startled me when I started reading the case files and the notes on this case. Is there were no fingerprints taken. There was no hair samples collected. Um, a neighbor who said that she'd seen a car in the driveway around the time of the murder that was not, you know, the family's car, um, never followed up on. It was astounding to me that just what we would consider basic police work didn't exist in uh, what was submitted in, as evidence. Um, but the pieces that the state put forward were enough to convince a jury.
0: You know, it was shocking um, in your documentary seeing some of the holes that you were able to punch into the police work that was done on this. As you say, they just didn't seem to do even the bare minimum. Like this woman who saw the strange vehicle the night of the murder, she called law enforcement to let them know. I understand the jury didn't end up hearing about that at all. That just it seems like one of these things where, oh, you bring this up on appeal and, and she gets out of prison. That has not at all happened in this case.
2: That, the fact that that was never, see, that came up um, after, the the way that piece unfolded is, and you know, we made a short documentary, which is um, under the, like, I guess rules governing documentary lines is under 40 minutes, so Mm -hmm. we sort of gave broad brushstrokes of what happened at the trial, but of course, you know, I, I read into many of these details, and so at the time, that neighbor had mentioned to a law enforcement officer at the scene saying that she'd mentioned this. No report was made of that conversation. And then it came up after she was convicted. The neighbor came forward and said, you know, I'd said this. So I was never called. I was never questioned. I was never followed up on. And then there, wa- there were legal appeals filed on that, but none of them went anywhere. Like, uh, they were never granted. She never got a new trial. Um, nothing ever happened from that. So now... And like you said, it came up years, decades later, actually a couple of years ago, that the evidence that that they had always been told, her attorneys had been told had been destroyed, wasn't available for DNA DNA testing. They discovered that it actually did indeed exist. Mm -hmm. So, of course, her legal team applied immediately to try to get DNA testing. There were stains on her pajamas. They felt like that corroborate her story, that an intruder had broken in and raped her because there were stains on there. What if that could point to somebody? But that was denied. Um, those petitions were denied, and it was denied on appeals. So her legal remedies are basically done. I mean, she has got the governor, and that's it. The governor the governor decides to grant her clemency.
0: And her petition to get somebody in the governor's office to pay attention for this case, it seems to be, have been pending for a long time right now. Um, it seems like this is really a long shot.
2: Plus, it's been sitting in the governor's office for 10 years, Mm -hmm. and um, there's been a backlog of more than 3,000 cases of clemency petitions that have just not been acted on. Our state is one of the states that very reluctantly and rarely uses uh, the power of clemency, which is granted to the executive office, or pardon. She's not even seeking a pardon. I mean, this woman has spent 33 years in prison, And, you know, I know my documentary raises some questions about the way her case was investigated, the the, the focus that came up at trial, but really at the heart of this documentary is the way she served those 33 years in prison. I want people to look at that, and I want people to consider what she's done while she's been there, and whether it actually serves the purpose of justice to keep a person like this in prison. She's 70 years old, she spent 33 years there. That's the question I want viewers to wrestle with and to struggle with and to come to an answer to.
0: We're talking to filmmaker Aisha Sultan, who of course is also a St. Louis Post Dispatch columnist. Her new film is 33 and Counting. You can see it on the Post Dispatch website. You can also see it on YouTube. I highly recommend watching this whole film. And and as Aisha notes, one of the most moving parts of this film is just how many people who've served with Patty have been inspired by her and who have come around to to do anything they can to support her attempts to get out of prison. She's really used this time in in some ways that are, are truly beautiful. And we've actually, we've got a caller on the line here um, who wants to speak to that experience. So I want to go to the phone lines. Uh, Janice is calling from Brentwood. Um, Janice, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you for joining us. Um, I understand that you served uh, many years uh, with Patty in prison. Is that right?
1: I did. I actually just was released from prison two weeks ago after serving twenty two years with Patty.
0: Wow, congratulations to you. Um that's that's terrific. Um thank you. But I, I'm sure that time was, was pretty tough. What was it like, um, having Patty there within your prison?
1: Well, it absolutely was pretty tough because like I never really had like my mother was, you know, into drugs and things like that and so Patty was probably like the first person who I was able to look at outside of my mother as a mother figure for me. Hmm. And when I first met Patty, she was um, a computer programmer. And so every single thing that I did in that prison, from being a computer programmer for 13 years with Patty, to getting into um, BLAST, which is, you know, learning to instruct aerobics exercise classes and personal training, I did that with Patty. Hmm. Um, I joined Prison Performing Arts, with Patty. And so the things that were the most, you know, impactful for me and life altering for me were all, you know, because Patty was like, Jenny, you need to, you know, get involved in this, Jenny's, come on, I'm going to go do this, Jenny's. So like, she, you know, got me involved in everything, but she didn't just do it for me. She does it like for
0: everybody. Hmm. It sounds like she really made a huge difference in what your prison experience was like. and, And as you say, not just you.
1: Yeah, she
0: absolutely did
1: and I mean even upon release like she is still, you know, a very very strong, you know, influencer in some of the decisions and things like that that I make now because she taught me like do not be afraid to back down and stand for what you think is right. Hmm. And I stand for her, and I think that it's right. She needs to be out of there.
0: Well, Janice, thank you so much for that call. Aisha, hearing from uh, Janice today, this is not at all an unusual conversation in terms of what you heard from women in this prison.
2: Um, I spent, you know, I went to go, I spent many hours in that prison um, interviewing Patty and talking to people who know her, and then former offenders who told me their stories, and this is not at all unusual Everybody had a story about how Patty touched their life, improved their situation once they left, helped make them a better person, and cared about them. Hmm. And there are a lot of women in prison, there are a lot of people in prison who have not had anybody care about them before. And I asked uh, Patty's daughter, Jane, I said, you know, how does your mom hold on to hope? That was like such a question for me in in spending a year working on this film with her daughter with her she's faced so much injustice and terrible circumstances and she said
0: you know some people bloom where they're planted and that's what my mom did hmm. And, you know, for Patty's children, it's so hard to see this film because you see what a what a terrible impact this has had on their lives, having to be separated from their mother. And they're still all in, in close contact with her. It sounds like they go to visit her all the time. But, you know, she's sort of expanded um, her family so that she can help so many other people. And yet for her own kids, this has been so tough having her away from them.
2: Well, and that's another part of the film is that when we take mothers, and, and I note in the film that the, the rate of female incarceration has skyrocketed in this country, and the rate in which we imprison mothers is Ridiculous! It's, it just left me incredulous when I look at how many mothers are in prison. Yeah. What impact do we think that has on children who are left behind? What impact do we think that has on families for generations, children, grandchildren, who have lost their primary caregiver?
0: Hmm. Um, You know, one of the people that you interviewed in the film was State Representative Tracy McCreary. And I understand that Tracy's actually on the line today. I want to go to that call. I I was so intrigued by the story she told in this film. Uh, Representative McCreary, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Thank you for having me. And it's an honor to be able to speak after
2: Janice. Um, We could probably fill up four hours on public radio hearing from women whose lives have been positively positively impacted by Patty when they served in prison with her. She has just been a mentor and a role model and has just accomplished
0: so much in prison, helping other inmates and touched the lives of so many people. And I'm honored to have known her for over 15 years. And Representative McCreary, one of the things in Aisha's film that really surprised me is you said one of the reasons you decided to run for office was that so you could advocate for Patty. This was oh, your interest yeah. in that came out of your work within prisons.
2: Well, it, you know, the thing about running for office is you realize you have a unique opportunity, a kind of a bigger soapbox, if you will, to try to make a difference in the world. And I am determined to see Patty get out of prison because we are not doing I'm, – I'm a state representative. I care about things that the state does. I think that we are not
0: – this is not in the state's best interest to keep Patty Pruitt behind bars, period. Mm-hmm. Well, Representative McCreary, uh, you, you've said it so perfectly. I can tell that you're used to uh, condensing your thoughts into a perfect soundbite. You just did it right there. So, <laughs> I want to I thank you for joining us today. And Aisha, um, you must have been just surprised to see just how many people have taken this on as their cause.
2: Right. That was another thing that was fascinating to me is the diversity of people and the number of people. I mean, there are artists, there are state representatives. Up- actually, Republicans and Democrats. Uh, Tracy's been leading this um, effort, but there are actually Republicans she's partnered with. And uh, family members, I mean, every single one of Patty's children supports her, believes her. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, legal lawyers are her lawyer who has been tireless and relentless. I mean, there is a vast network of people who have been wanting to get Patty um, reunited with her family because they feel as though she served her time. Hmm.
0: I'm going to go back to the phone lines. Margaret is calling from St. Charles. Uh, Margaret, you're on St. Louis on the air. I am. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, thank you for joining us. Uh, What are your thoughts on this case?
3: I have known Patty for over 11 years, and I met her first in the context when she was doing uh, the BLAST program, which is a program for ladies with aerobics in the facility where she resides. Mm-hmm. And she was teaching other women to empower themselves by doing that. And she, I'm by no means an aerobics instructor, but she encouraged me to say, hey, you've got, you know, you have secondary education, you have all these skills. There was a big need for women to have tutors for completion of their uh, high school accreditation, the GED. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started that program working with folks there and then uh, was encouraged by, you know, Patty's actions to do other things like send dress-out boxes to girls, which are basically you have no clothes if you're in there so to come home in, and then to continue working in the wider uh, St. Louis metropolitan area in a as a tutor and facilitating materials to go to women who did not have their high school equivalency.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Margaret, I'm, I'm so glad to hear about um, that encouragement and that impact that she had on your life. Um, thank you for that. And unfortunately, we're not going to get to any other callers today. We do have a number, um, and a couple of them had interesting thoughts that I did want to see if we could share in our last couple minutes here. Um, Nancy, who's a longtime friend of Patty's, shared that she spoke to Patty two days ago. She's very concerned about her being in prison during this COVID 19 crisis. She mentioned Patty is one of the seamstresses making masks. But Aisha, going back to you, uh, Patty is now an older woman. She's been in there 33 years. Are you at all concerned that this COVID-19 outbreak means this is really the time that she's going to need the governor to act?
2: You know, my film was accepted into a film festival in New York City. And obviously, we know how the pandemic has hit New York City. So that festival was canceled I could have waited because there are many other prestigious festivals that we've entered. But I realized with the way coronavirus is spreading, that I absolutely could not wait. And I had to release this film now because people have her life is at risk. If there's one correctional officer, somebody in the staff who brings that, a new person who enters the prison brings that in. She is the most susceptible and vulnerable population, you know, in there. She's older. She's getting over bronchitis, which she gets once or twice a year. Mm. She takes blood pressure medicine. I mean, it, there's, uh, she's incredibly vulnerable. And I, I do believe that our governor will consider a humanitarian release and possibly look at her clemency petition in the humanitarian light
0: that it's intended in this moment. Okay. So, I mean, you've even changed what you were planning to do with this film in order to make sure that, that he's aware of, of these issues and get more attention on this issue. If people want to see this film, I understand it's now up on YouTube. Is that the best place to send them to go see it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You just go on YouTube and type in 33 and Counting, and it should uh, bring it right up. And you, or you can go to 33 com. And a link to the film is there, plus background information on all the people who worked on it, all the main characters. So that's the website for the film, and you can learn a lot more about it there.
0: So that's 33andCounting.com. I um, want to encourage no, everybody. It's, 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 it's actually 33andCountingFilm.com. It's, ah, 33andCountingFilm.com. Thank you for that. That's yes. a very important correction there. And yes. I will say, you know, if you like watching Dateline or you're into these true crime shows, um, it works on that level. It's, it's really interesting to watch and see how they bungled this case. And then there's also just a really important humanitarian thing here as well. So um, filmmaker Aisha Sultan, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And again, that film is 33 and counting and and you can watch it now. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.